FBI Studios. This is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Ruff. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up episode for our bonus episode where I had Jesse Crossan on, who was a former inmate. He was sentenced to double the max sentence at at 18 years old uh, and is now advocating for some prison reform. Uh, So we're going to be talking about that. We've got some questions about that. But, uh, of course, the thing I think that's on most of your mind will be probably taking up a good portion of this episode is I'm joining the studio today by Zach and Mike, and this is officially Mike's very last follow-up podcast. So, Mike, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, Bob. <laughs> so the, for you old school people, you know that that was the gag. Remember you used to always say, thanks for having me, and I used to say you work here? That's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's only true for four more days. All right, so we are going to... <laughs> We're trying to keep this light. We're going to try to avoid the tears. Sorry about that last hard. week. I can already tell. It's going to be hard. Yeah. We're going to be fine. Uh, Zach's here, too. Uh, we've got a bunch of questions from you guys right after break. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications. And that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, first things first, I've got an announcement for you guys. Uh, for uh, Before we get into the rest of the content, I know Je- uh, Zach has some comments about the episode. But before that, April 16th. So one place in the United States that I've never done any kind of a meetup or or live show or anything has been in my home state of Michigan. Uh, people have been asking me to for years. And just, uh, what is it, about six weeks from now, April 16th in Grand Rapids, Michigan, I am going to be doing a live show with Captain from True Crime Garage. And also Kelly Barron's Brink will be there as well from True Crime IRL. Uh, if you guys listen to True Crime Binge, you heard a little bit about Kelly, who's been um, helping helping the Captain put these together. Uh, but we are we are planning we're 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 figuring this is going to sell out. You know, the we when we did I did the live show with Captain in Cleveland uh, a few months back. I think there was about a hundred tickets and they sold out in fifteen minutes. Um, so hopefully, as of now on Friday, when you're hearing this, tickets will still be available. We're we're in an actual theater in uh, in Grand Rapids on April sixteenth. Uh, the theater holds about four hundred people, so we're hoping that'll be able to fit in everybody that wants to come. Uh, it was be a good deal. I think the doors open at seven, and the show starts at seven thirty. Uh, it's a, a night out with Captain and and Bob Ruff, is I think how he titled it on his website. It should have been Bob Ruff and the Captain because we all know that I should have first billing there. Uh, but it, we're, it's going to be about an hour and a half show with me and Captain on the stage. We're going to be talking about some. I don't know. We're talking about cases and podcasting in general. Just kind of riffing with each other. Kelly will be up there with us too. I'll be taking a ton of Q and A from the audience. Uh, they've got it's going to be a great time. They've got drinks of drinks available there at the at the theater we're going to be at. Um, so to get tickets for that, 
you can go to captainfathands.com slash events. That's captainfathands.com slash events. That's where you can buy tickets April 16th in Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's going to be a blast after the show. There'll be a meet and greet, which essentially Captain and I are going to come down and have drinks with you all and, and chit chat and hang out for a little while. So if you're interested, if you're anywhere around Michigan, Grand Rapids is more in the southwest quadrant of Michigan. For those of you that don't know where it's at, April 16th. And again, CaptainFatHands.com slash events to buy tickets. Get them quick if you want to come because we're pretty certain that it's going to sell out pretty quickly. And with that being said, Zach, what do you think of the episode? Man, this episode was touching, honestly. You know, kind of looking back on it, Jesse, without really knowing him, I mean, he sounds like he's about my age kind of going through things yeah. his timeline so i i kind of put myself in those shoes you know he got arrested in 2002 i graduated 2003 so i mean i'm right there with him that was a year after he graduated right right there with him and just to think about what he lost over that course of time i mean that that was huge i mean you said he got released in 2021 yeah it was a few months so, ago so i i picture myself losing you know going from getting out of high school to losing everything up until this year i mean i've lost I would not have my family. I would not have my wife, my beautiful kids. You know, I mean, I wouldn't have any of that. Your business. My business. I, I mean, just to think about all that is heartbreaking. Me as a friend. You as a friend. Mike as a friend for the last day. Mostly me. Because <laughs> Mike's leaving after this week. But for in all seriousness, I mean, to, to really imagine what you're losing over that course of time. Yeah. Is heartbreaking. And, and then you, you kind of brought it up in the episode about him being able to catch up with technology. I mean, it's I kind of uh. snickered when I said that. But to really think about. The technology from 2002 right. to 2021. I still don't know how to work TikTok. Exactly. And <laughs> I know Mike and I were talking about that to think about right. the jumps that technology. You know, we had cell phones, but they uh, weren't. They were the cell phone, the Nokia that had snake on it. You right, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. They, weren't, they weren't these iPhones that are crazy and everything. And just, it, it just baffles me and I feel horrible for him. And then that kind of leads me to the, the, my first big question to you is like, I don't even understand how the judge was capable of handing down a double sentence like that. I mean, I guess it's not a double sentence, but to almost double the max. Because there is sub subjectivity in, in the laws. And I think a lot of states are starting to change that. Uh, but essentially what, it, what the law says is the maximum or the sentencing guidelines are exactly that, that they are guidelines and that the judge is the ultimate person who decides what it is. So like if the guidelines say – for this offense, the punishment should be between 8 and 16 years, which is, I think, what his offenses mm-hmm. equaled out to. That, you know, typically a judge will then, you know, consider 16 years to be the max because that's the high end of the range. Uh, but in this case, the judge, to me, seemed like he wanted to make an example out of him that said, even though the sentencing guidelines say that 16 should be the max, I'm going to give you 32 years and double that. Yeah, that was – I. I don't know. That, I mean, I'm sure that happens. I just have never heard of anything like that. And I didn't even know that was honestly possible. Yeah, it, it happens more than you'd think. It's not super common. But again, there there are states out there and I don't know the list of them off the top of my head. But there are there are states out there that are changing that to where the, the, the sentencing guidelines are not guidelines that they are actually well, like like they're a maximum is actually a maximum mm-hmm. and doesn't leave it up to the judge who can just on a whim like in this. Because that's the thing is that those guidelines were put in place. There was a. Lot, it's not like it was on, that was on a whim either, right? So there was a lot of thought that went into and case law that all went into uh, whoever the legislators are that came up with that number to say, okay, well, we think that if if someone committed this offense, but it was minor or, or there were other circumstances, you could sentence them for as little as six years. 
But if they are the worst of the worst, then they should have 16 years. So there was a lot of thought that went into that range. And then I think it's just bullshit for then a judge to say, well, I don't care. I'm, you know, they're playing God, essentially. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm the one wearing the robes. So I say not just a little more, but double it. Yeah, that uh, I, it baffles me to to see that. Yeah. You know, one of the things he talked about, too, was the difference between prisons. You know, he said he was at a high level prison, or high level institute for a long time because of his severity. Right. But he said, like, the low level ones, you know, you see the guys coming in and out, but they don't really try to do anything with those guys. Yeah. And it's it's. I'm not going to say funny to say that because it's it's not funny, but the way I interpret it, because I have a person close in my life that has gone to prison multiple times, multiple times, and he seems to be, you know, having no reform. I mean, he continually yeah. gets out, goes right back into his old habits, goes right back in. I mean, I've known the guy probably close to 20 years now, mm-hmm. and he's probably been in prison more than he's been out of prison. And it, it's it's sad to see, but... I, I think that's one of the things he's talking about is trying to help these people yeah. get their lives back in a good order when they come out. Yeah. And you know, I've talked to many, many people that have been in prison, obviously, because the work that I do. And I hear all the time that the county jails are the worst. Mm-hmm. And it's just that it's, it's because it's short term. There's no focus on rehabilitation. There's no focus on on trying to help you improve your life. They're just holding you there. And so it just people just go nuts. They they're, tend to be much more violent. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just a lot a lot going on. So I've, I've talked to several inmates who have said, man, it gets so much better when you go to the actual prison because those people are there for long term. And you got somebody with a 20-year sentence that's trying to get home early because a good time, you know, they're much more likely to follow the rules and avoid some of the conflict and violence and stuff. Because, you know, they're, they're there for a long time. That's their home. They're going to have to live with these people for decades. Yeah. And I, and I like the idea of he kind of brought up like a, almost like a step down program, a step into uh-huh. release program, whether it's a halfway house or something. Right. Because this individual that I'm talking about, I mean, literally like anytime he gets out, he's back home yep. immediately. There's no step down. There's no, there's no supervision. He's just free again to go about his own demons. And it's not, it's not great. Right. And he's probably a convicted felon and has, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to get a, a, a job. And, you know, that's why so often their, their recidivism rate is so high because these guys get out and they say somebody is, you know, gets locked up because they're in the drug trade mm-hmm. and then they get out. And now they're a convicted felon. They can't get a job and they, but they've got their old buddy saying, well, Hey, come, but we, you can make money with us. Come on back and do this again. Yeah. And they end up going right back in. You know, you brought up the recidivism rate, which is something that he brought up and here comes the, the Zach side where I kind of play both sides. Cause I have to do this. Uh-huh. He brought up the metric of that, like, killers don't have the same recidivism rate as other individuals. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's a really skewed metric because yeah. they do have such a long sentence that they're not getting out. Yeah, you're probably right with that because you know, if a lot of them don't get out because they're mm-hmm. in life sentences or they get, like I said, you get 40, 50 years and you come out as a 70-year-old man. Yeah, I mean, I understand what he's saying, but I just see, like, that's a skewed metric to say it yeah. like that. Yeah, no, that's fair. All right, guys, we'll jump into these questions from the listeners. That's the last time Mike's going to say that. Would you stop saying that? <laughs> this is going to get sad. <laughs> but we have we have years of audio. <laughs> right. I, th- I think there'll be plenty to uh, reminisce with. Yeah, there will. I wish I'd had more time. I would have tried to put together a best of Mike. A best of Mike. Yeah. Literally, it's just like a thousand times of me saying, all right, guys, let's get into these questions. <laughs> no, there's some good ones in there. I know there's some good ones. Some zingers. Some zingers. All right, Sarah says, 
What advice would you give to voters who have sheriffs, district attorneys, and judges on their ballots this year? First of all, and by the way, this is very controversial, but I would say this for uh, any election to to throw out the parties. Okay, because I, I think a lot of times people for this specifically, people will vote for whoever is running in their party without even looking to see what their record is. So for 100%, when you're looking at a judge or, or a district attorney or a sheriff or whoever, a party affiliation has got to go out the window for starters. And again, I personally recommend you do that with all elections and just look at the actual people and what, they're, what they stand for. Uh, but that's a whole other conversation for a different show. But so step one, forget the party. Don't vote for somebody just because they're affiliated with your political party. Two. I think that the best thing you can do is it, – it, it's not easy, right? It's not easy to go through and look, well, is this a corrupt judge? Let me look. You can certainly do like Google searches, look for people who have filed for wrongful convictions um, and appeals and things like that if there's any kind of any kind of known corruption. But because of the immunity and the way the system works, it's sometimes hard to find that. So what I tell people is be very suspicious of someone who is running with a tough-on-crime message. Right, so if their if their messaging is, you know, I'm tough on crime and I'm shutting everything down, that sounds good on the surface. But what that, what that tells you about that? I'm not saying don't vote for them, but but that should put your hackles up a little bit, because what that tells you is this person is incentivized by numbers. They're they're they look at the success of their job based on the number of convictions, the number of death penalty cases, you know, so on and so forth that they get. That, in my opinion, is not the best metric. What I what I would be looking for somebody who's running on justness and fairness, you know, because I'm not I'm not real big on the other way either. You know, there's a, there's a, I haven't studied enough to be able to speak intelligently on it, but the but you know there's there's people on the other side that are just like you know we shouldn't be locking anybody up and there should be you know there's a balance there and, and wherever you fall into that. But but for your listener to this show and your concern is obviously putting people in there that are going to be corrupt and are going to cause wrongful convictions. Be very wary of anyone who is running on their record, and and that record being the number of convictions, tough on crime. I've won a hundred percent of every trial that I've that I've tried, and I'm cleaning up the streets. Those are just red flags for those are people that have probably lost sight of their purpose for being there, and and they are now their purpose for being there is to get more wins. So that they can continue to win elections. And very oftentimes, as you're going to hear this Sunday's episode with Andrew Collins, that leads to, leads people down a pretty dark path. So the best advice I can give you is don't vote for somebody just because of their political party association. And secondly, uh, really be very wary of anybody who is running on a tough on crime messaging or really running on their record of conviction ratings, things like that. because. Uh, we know that they're just going to continue to try to beef up those numbers and some innocent people can get caught, caught in the crossfire. Normale's got a question here and it's for Jesse. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to answer it, but I'll give it a shot. Are there any states that are better than others regarding providing rehabilitation in prison and or help for prisoners when they leave prison? Or is it just random from prison to prison? Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I wish I had the answer to that, but that's, that's something that would be worth a Google, I think, because I, I know there are states out there. In the back of my mind, I'm I'm thinking because I've been working in California for our new case. 
that there is some pretty good programs. There are some pretty good programs in the California system to try to help rehabilitate. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Jesse probably would know if we'd had him here, but, uh, but some, it's a good question worth looking into. I just don't have the answer for it. All right. And Sarah says, I'd love to hear Mike's favorite Bob story and vice versa. You want to go first or second? I'll go first. Okay. Uh, the one that comes to mind was, I forget which exactly what neighborhood we were in, but I believe we were in, was it Dallas? Oh, and I, I know th- what you're thinking if it's of. it's a story I'm uh, thinking of, yeah, it was Dallas, Southeast and, Dallas. And it was a, and it was a, uh, a pretty uh, rundown community and we were going to go do some, uh, some questioning uh, of some locals. And remember, we stopped at the fire department first. That's right. We and got- they told us. Don't go down there unless you want to get shot. Yeah, I forgot about that part. Yeah, into yeah. which I said, "Ah, we'll be fine." Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we were on our uh, many adventures. Uh, yeah, and you were wearing the retired cop uniform, <laughs> so it was like, like a, I believe it was, I believe it was a tucked in, uh, button down shirt, probably. And, yeah, uh, some some dark tinted aviator glasses. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I think you might even had a gun on your belt. I did. I yeah. think I might have had a vest on even yeah. over the top. Yeah. And how did that go? So there. So we were in a parking or in a driveway, and you were walking up to a house, and there were two uh, subjects that approached from left and right, and you stopped both of them. Remember that? <laughs> whoa, whoa, guys! Whoa, 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 guys! Like a cop stopped him with my fingers. With your like, fingers. <laughs> <laughs> and they stopped and walked up to you, uh, and that's when that I, I remember like an orange, like Ford Bronco. Can we back up just a Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. A, Go ahead. Prior to getting out of the car, I had so Mike is waiting in the car. I'm outside of it. I had we had an earpiece that I wore that yeah. Mike had the other end of it in the car, and it's on all the time. Okay. Doesn't have to push a button. I can just hear any word he said. So Mike is watching my back with his earpiece so that I can focus on the people because it was a dangerous neighborhood. So I'm focused on the people in front of me. Mike's watching my six with an earpiece in. So then go ahead. And uh, that's when the, I think it was an orange, an orange Bronco, like tricked out from like the 70s, <laughs> pulled up behind, behind our vehicle and trapped us in the driveway. And there was a uh, suspicious looking uh, gangster type in, in the driver's seat of that Bronco giving me the stare down. Yeah. And then slowly. No, I didn't see any. He told me later. Yeah, your back was to us. Slowly yeah. rolled away. So, so meanwhile, what he doesn't do is say a fucking word to me <laughs> on the comms. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, heads up or we got company. Watch your six. Any of those would have worked. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Lots of different things. Lots of different things I could have quipped out there. Yeah. So I go walking back to the tr- to the car and I, I don't see Mike. Because <laughs> I made myself small. <laughs> Mike had kind of scooted down under the dashboard. To protect himself, right, and forgot forgot to, to warn me off. That, it, that it appeared that a drive-by was about to occur. <laughs> We've had some fun ones. Uh, the The other one that comes to mind is the staged windmills talk. <laughs> like, during, why did we even try that during Jamie Snow season? Yeah, we were we had this new we were gonna for the sound design when we were gonna. Yeah. Yeah, we want to just capture those just just organic moments, you know. So I just had like a recorder running in the car all the time, and we're driving through Bloomington, Illinois, where there's those fucking giant windmills everywhere. Yeah, and <laughs> I don't. Why did we end up? 
Well, so didn't you have the conversation? Oh, didn't you we had the conversation. I had put change in the cup holder in between us in the truck, and it and it distorted the audio. Yeah, that's right. Because we were just, we did have a, like an organic conversation about all these windmills. But yeah, that's right. The change in the cup was rattling, so we're like, oh shit! It's like, well, let's we can redo that. We can remake that. Oh, <laughs> you know, okay, sorry. Go ahead. Go no, on. dude, what just popped in my head was the chocolate bar too. At the same. Oh, the yeah. same <laughs> When I thought it was a good idea to buy a Snickers bar, but it was 120 degrees outside, <laughs> and somehow you ended up with chocolate on your pants all over me. It's on my hand. It's on my pants. I think I got done eating. I threw the wrapper over to the <laughs> other side. It got all over him. But, oh my goodness! But yeah, that whole windmill. I think it, it ended up in the episode, didn't it? It did. It was 100 yeah. in the episode. Yeah, it was. Because yeah. yeah. I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was like, oh, it was bad. I thought it was like staged. And not staged, but it felt dry. Yeah. You know, we dude, that was after a hundred takes. Oh. I were driving down the road, Mike going, "What's the deal with all these windmills?" <laughs> like, I don't know. It must be. I wonder what they have yeah. to use all this electric <laughs> out here. Oh, I'm so bad. I think we can blame the writers on that one, oh. right? Which was us. Yeah, right. Oh, it was terrible. I was thinking of God. There's been so many. Um, a couple of them come to mind. One is. When we, me, you, and Shane went down to West Memphis mm-hmm. and we were filming because it, because before, so before the, the, you know, my, my series, the forgotten West Memphis three was on oxygen. We had talked about shooting our own documentary, right? Like do the podcast, but film everything. And we're going to maybe do our own documentary. And so I had borrowed this big expensive camera. Now it was an old camera. Like it took tape. Oh, geez. Like the little hi-fi or whatever, mm-hmm. the little tiny, tiny tapes. But it was a big, expensive, like professional camera, which is old. And so Mike was filming, and he had like the bags with all the all the the, the the he was holding the big camera and the bags with all the equipment. So we get down to the pipe bridge for the where the you know the famous pipe bridge from the West Memphis Three case, and we get there, and I'm like, oh shit, the crime scene's gone, and the woods are bull- bulldozed, and it's there's no path to this pipe. It's just like it's just overgrown weeds and brush and just na- nastiness. So Shane and I are like, oh, we're going to work our way down there and go check out the other side. And so we climb down. Mike's waiting. Now, mind you, I already have Mike dressed like he's like like he's outside of a of a of a we buy your gold store spinning a sign. Or I've got I've got three GoPros strapped. Yeah, I had, I had a bunch of different GoPros. I had the hat. I had a ch- I think I had the yeah, chest, chest harness. Yeah, and the camera and the shoulder mounted camera. Yeah. Oh, so it was crazy. We just bought all this equipment. So and I'm a just, backpack, I think. Yeah, and the backpack. Yeah. So we just bought all this equipment. So I'm like, we'll just load them up. We'll put GoPros all around. So we're just capturing everything. And Zach or uh, Shane and I are over there working on the other side of the bridge. And then Mike's like, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna come over, guys. Now, my the bridge is or that that bridge not a bridge. It's a it's like an 18 inch pipe with about a six inch gap on either side, and then about a six inch or four inch iron like like I beam. Yeah. And so Mike's walking across, and there's and there's again there's there's foliage that has grown over the pipe all over the place. Mike starts walking across the pipe, and <laughs> mm. it's so bad; it's making me cringe thinking about it. <laughs> but I see him walking across, holding all this equipment, and I and I had the presence of mind to get my phone up and turn the video recorder on. I'm like, and I think I, the first thing you hear me say is, "This isn't going to end well." And and it. Mike gets almost to the end and it looks so the weeds had grown over the pipe and it looked like it was the end of the pipe. 
So he takes his next step. It looked like it was land. Yeah. Okay. He takes his next step thinking he's stepping on the land and instead steps between the pipe and the I-beam and, and, and stepped and stepped in the way that you are 100% certain it's oh, a solid no. surface you're standing on. Oh, no. And just wham, just goes down. It's not, I mean, it was funny, but it's not. <laughs> and you just hear, oh, my God. I'm like, you're okay. You're all right. I'm fine. I'm fine. And he gets up and takes a few more steps. Now he's another five oh, yeah. feet in. So now he's sure he's on land. Takes the next step off the bridge and stumbles and falls into Rolls. poison ivy. Yeah. Oh, no. falls down the hill. That was bad enough. So that's oh, all I'm. It was, ju- it was it was horrible. And you had all that equipment on you too. Oh yeah, yeah. and the, the, he saved the equipment. I mean, oh. held the camera up, held the bag up, saved everything. Yeah. And then we got back to the hotel room, and it was like I was like, oh, the GoPros. And so <laughs> we went back and watched the GoPro footage from yeah. first person perspective, and you can hear the oh, God, oh son of a bitch. But it was the, the it was it was it was funny. But my God, you got so fucked up on that trip. I got, got chiggers too. Yeah, yeah. He got chiggers, poison, poison ivy, chiggers. Uh, yeah, fell through the pipe. Uh, there might have been some fire ants in there. So, <laughs> yeah, and the, and the, oh, yeah, the fire ants. I forgot about fire that. ants. That yeah. was like the final straw. That yeah, was like that the was next a bad trip. That was a, like a rough trip. Yeah, but but never ever ever stop. Like after all that, we needed to get a shot of us on the pipe of me on the pipe, and Mike gets right back up. His legs bleeding, climbs oh, back in. To weeds, which we now know were poison ivy, to get the shot. It was so bad. You know, I was going to ask you a question that I had all set up to ask you, which is, it fits right in line, so I'm going to jump in with this. Okay. All these stories you guys are telling me, this is, this is like the third story now that I've heard that's absolutely ridiculous. Mike, how many of these, like, what the hell moments have you had? Like, what the hell am I doing here moments? Hundreds of them. <laughs> like, <laughs> dead serious. You just end you, you, you end up in the weirdest situations well, when, you're, when you're a podcaster, an investigative podcaster. They're the goofiest, strangest, no one would understand situations. Well, that's, that's what I was thinking. You know, yeah. as a listener, you you just hear like this. You just hear us talking. Yeah. You hear the story. You don't hear, but like hearing these stories of you know you falling down in the weeds or the, you you know who knows what could have happened there in Dallas. And I know there's other stories that you've had weird stakeout stories. Like the stakeouts so that, were the stakeouts were my favorite parts of the whole job. Yeah, and that that was the other one I was gonna tell you. The one the one I just told was was, was a really bad story. I mean, it was cool because Mike toughed it all out and everything. Mm-hmm. But it was goddamn, it was it was rough. So it was it was like that, so you got him falling and hurting himself. Mm-hmm. He fall. We don't know it's poison ivy at this point. And then. Is, Shane and I are wearing boots and jeans, even yeah, though it's hot summertime. On. Didn't you have waders on? When we went in the water, oh, we did. But we had boots and jeans. Yeah, and that was when we were th- they were throwing a, a dead pig into the bayou. Right. Like, like that's like everything was nuts all the time, yeah. all the time for years. Everything yeah. we did was just crazy. Yeah. But then, like, we get back and and he's got he's starting to break out in poison ivy, and then we're seeing all these weird wounds all over. And Shane's like, "Oh, that's chiggers. We'd never heard of chiggers." No. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then a couple of days later, we're like standing on the bank, and Shane and I are in waders going out to to pick, get the pig out of the water to see what the damage was from the turtles. And all of a sudden, your mic's like, "God damn, <laughs> he's running! He's like ripping his pants off because he had, he was standing filming us, and it was standing on a giant fire ant hill. Oh, yeah, just couldn't catch a break. But but now, so this, the other story I was thinking of was like a, a stakeout we had to do. We we needed to get fingerprints from someone. 
And so I needed Mike to, we, we needed to place something in a very precarious spot in a very busy place. And so there's a one in the morning, we're at Walmart buying Mike a maintenance man costume, <laughs> like blue dicky pants and a blue dicky shirt. And, and uh, a, a Texans baseball or football. Yes. Yeah. Cap, a hat. A hat. And yeah. then out in the parking lot are like throwing it down in the parking lot and like stepping on it and, and roughing it up. So it, it looked. Yeah. Didn't look brand new. I think they did that with all of my clothes, the whole outfit. I yeah. think they, ru- they dumped it out of the, of the bag onto the Walmart parking lot <laughs> and everyone stomped on it before I put it on. Yeah. And then to it, get into character. And then at three in the morning, Mike, the maintenance man walks up with this thing and sets it into place and. You know, the, uh, the long story short, it ends up, we, we get what we're looking for. And then there's like this, this peeling out, like pull up, Mike jumps back out in his maintenance man costume, goes, collects the evidence back in the truck, fly out, get back out of there. Like we're doing stupid shit like that all the time. All, all the, the time. time. We've done, we've done a lot of that stuff and, and a lot of it we don't cover on the show because, well, I think a lot of it, we don't want the people that were involved to know we were there. Right. Yeah. But. Yeah, I mean it, that was my that those are always my favorite parts of this job. So, like when you were brought on to the show as an editor, did did you imagine yourself standing in the weeds? Yeah, actually, uh, because that's when I decided to start working here with Bob. Was when we were on a. It was before I worked for him, but I had gone on a trip with him. Okay, and we that was how I got my feet wet with it all, and then. The editing thing just sort of I don't I don't know like I think I must have been editing at that time too. You were editing off duty. Yeah. You were helping out doing off duty our old podcast but then but yeah that was at the beginning you were like dude I want to do more field work. Yeah, it was all about the field work. He was excited to do it and then it was like well in order to get on the payroll then you know we you know I was like well if you come on you could edit then we can add these follow up episodes and all that and it just kind of built into the show built into what it is now. But yeah, that was a big part of it but then it got a little uh Things got a little bit hairy. Some of those trips got, got they did. Well, and you got married too, and that to kind of yeah. changed your perspective on things. Yep. Which I still got uninvited from Mike's wedding. Jack Everybody got uninvited from Mike's wedding. <laughs> Not me. I was there. Yeah, Bob was there. <laughs> my best man at my wedding. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the, those are just. I mean, we could go on for weeks with stories, but those are those are some of the good ones. That that the maintenance man one. And that was, by the way, also a, a stakeout. We were up for forty-eight hours straight. That's right. Waiting to waiting for this to shake out the way that it did. Oh, and then we went to a meetup. We that didn't even night, get to sleep. Yeah, we had a fan meetup that night. Woo. And Mike, Mike was. We were both exhausted. And I think I looked up. Mike was just like sitting in the corner with beers, just like just. We had a nothing like being at a meetup when all you wanted is for everybody to leave you the hell alone. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm going to go ahead. So Brian is the next, the next question says, just want to wish Mike the best in his new adventure. I hope he has time to come back on the Friday follow-ups as a guest here and there question for Mike. What was your most memorable moment from your years with truth and justice? Uh, the show, you know, was built around wrongful convictions and, you know, trying to work at getting people out of prison that shouldn't be there. So with that in mind, I mean, it has to be when, uh, Ed Eights walked out of prison. I think honestly, for me, that was a huge moment. But when we found out Ed was getting out mm. too, was huge for me. I yep. think for and I think for both of us, that was such an. Int- I remember. So we have a, t- yeah, a, a very tight production schedule. There's a lot of logistics to go into what we do, and I still remember it was a Thursday, which is you know the, by Thursday the script written 
we're recording, editing, getting ready to send stuff off to Shane for, for music. And it was a Thursday morning that Allison called. Were you there when Allison called me or did she call me before you got there? I believe I was there. I think you were sitting right behind me. Yeah, unless there was a conversation before that because as far as I remember, like you were rolling tape when she called. So I don't know if you guys. I immediately, I had answered the call on my computer because she like FaceTimed me. Yeah. And then as soon as I saw her face and she started, I was like, while like having the conversation, I think I, uh, I had a recorder set up at my desk and I just hit record to capture some of it. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, we found that out and then we're like, now it's like noon or one o'clock or whatever on a, on a Thursday, the episode's done a different episode. And I, I still remember just saying, I just watched the newsroom and I picked up the lingo from them. And I was like, what are we going to do? It's fucking late. I will. And I said, throw out the rundown. Let's start. Like, this has to go now. We got to do this now. And we threw out the whole script, everything that we had. I think we like took a break. I'm like, it was by, by mid afternoon. It was like, all right, go home, grab some dinner, get some coffee, come back. And then we're going to, and we worked till like three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Writing and recording. And that that was like one of the cool, that time, not, I mean, obviously finding out it was going to get released, walking it out of prison. But for me, like, as far as like us together, like I like that night was, it was amazing. It was like, it was like the the work that we put into that and working together to build that episode was a really cool experience. Yeah, absolutely. It was. That one almost got me. I was right there. Yeah. Almost through it. (laughs) I got through it though. Fine. (laughs) All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue asking some of these questions uh, because they're to you, Mike, and I don't want you asking yourself questions. Okay. Pamela says I'll be the first to ask the obvious. What's Mike doing next? So it's completely unrelated field. Um, it's electrical work, uh, outside stuff, inside stuff, a little bit of everything. Something to get me away from my computer screens, uh, you know, and uh, to start something new and to learn some new skills. So. Yeah, and I think another question I got a lot of is why is, is Mike leaving? And I think people thought that you were like going to edit for another show or something like that. And it's and, and I I think you you'd agree it's fair to you know without putting words in your mouth that you've been staring at a computer screen with headphones on for six, six years. years, yeah. And where and I know you've had like issues with your ears and your yeah. eyes and yeah, there have been some some issues with my right ear and it's been getting to me uh, the, over the past couple of years and. And so, yeah, it just feels like it's time for a change. It's This isn't something where uh, I'd like to set the record straight. It's not anything uh, bad blood between Bob or anything like that at all. This is, uh, yeah, it's just, it's completely unrelated to the work we do here or our friendship or any of that stuff. So, Well, I'm, I'm proud of you for pulling the trigger and, and doing something for you. Hey, thanks, man. Don't encourage him. Oh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hi, kid. Don't go. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Ah, we laugh so we don't cry. Uh, uh, Danielle says, will Mike come back to visit from time to time? I think I could, yeah. Yeah, well, and the the trick is, so like, because I've kind of skipped over that too. Brian asked that too. It's tricky for the follow-ups because we record these during the day. Right. uh, When Mike will be working. So, I mean, I'm sure there may be some times where we may do something um, to make that work. But it'll be, yeah. Also, I should say. Mike is still going to be editing for us part time for a while, right? Until we've and, until we kind of to make our next move. So he'll so he'll still be around. And of course, you know we're all friends. We still you know I'll mm-hmm. still see Mike all the time. Right? Uh, you guys just probably won't as much because of the. Wait, do I get to see Mike? No. Every after you got disinvited from the wedding, that was. 
Oh man, that was it. Um, but yeah, there may be. I mean, it'd be a, it'd be a pretty unique set of circumstances for Mike to be back on the pop just because of scheduling. Uh, Kathy says, "Really gonna miss you, Mike. Good luck. Please come back to visit from time to time. You have a lot of people here who care about you." And so now I guess this is for me. Who's going to be editing now? Quint, she asked. So Quentin is my son. He's 17, and he uh, edits the videos for our Patreon people. No, it's it's not going to be Quint. I thought about that. The The issue, like, people don't realize how much work it is, especially we have three shows a week we do, right? So we have the, the Truth and Justice main episode. We have the Truth and Justice follow-up episode. We have True Crime binge episodes. I mean, that's close to 40 hours worth of work to do to edit. So it's not something I can have my teenager, my high school kid just kind of do, you know, here and there in the evenings. I don't want him committing that much time to to doing this kind of work. So I don't know yet. As I said, Mike's going to hang around for a while to um to help us out while we're making a transition. Mike said as long as we need him to. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Uh so, you know, I, I want to at least give that a month. I want to I want to give Mike a chance to change his mind, so I'm going to wait at least a month before I get anybody else in. <laughs> This is so awkward. <laughs> so awkward. Uh, but no, I'm looking at some contractors. Um, I'm actually waiting for a quote back from a couple right now. It's, uh, yeah, it's just there's a lot of logistics to figure out with production schedules and stuff. It's going to be a change for me because having a full-time editor on staff gives me a lot of flexibility. Um to and the ability to procrastinate too, to be honest with you, sometimes. Because <laughs> yeah, I feel like whatever. I'm paying him till five on Friday. I can give it to him at two on Friday. It's fine. Uh <laughs> with the contractor. Uh it, you know, I gotta give him a lot more lead time. So all that's to be figured out, but uh at least for the next month it'll still be Mike doing the editing and then we'll figure it out from there. But I mean, we've got some options. Everything's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. Everything'll be fine. <laughs> In the words of my of my baby brother. It'll be fine. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Derek says, a few video games question, Mike. Okay. What genre of games do you play? What's your favorite game of all time? Do you stream games live on Twitch or another platform? And best of luck in your new adventure. You will be missed. Thank you, Derek. Uh, really appreciate that. So I like first-person shooters, um, the Call of Duty franchise. That's my jam. I did do some streaming uh, a while back during the pandemic when we were all locked in our houses on Mixer. That platform was dissolved, and uh, so I started streaming on on Twitch for a little while. I haven't done it in a long time. I might get back into it. It kind of streaming kind of takes the fun out of video games, really. So <laughs> I. Uh, it turns video games into work. So I don't know. I think I just like playing the games and not streaming them anymore. Uh, and Mike's being modest. Um, there was a time when Mike was ranked in the top 500 in the entire world. That's right. Uh, the game was called (laughs) (laughs) call of duty, modern warfare, uh, from 2007, not the new one. And, uh, yeah, (laughs) pretty good. Pretty good video game player. Those games made me so sick. I can't do first person shooters. Like the, I get motion sickness so bad. Yeah, like you really get motion I don't even, sickness. Oh, re- like for real. Like yeah. I don't know how you guys do it. It's crazy. Oh. Ask me what my favorite video game is. Donkey Kong. Ask me. I'm not asking you. The question was to Mike. But this I is want, Mike's. This is Mike's show. But now I want today you is Mike's show to ask me <laughs> what my favorite video game is. Today is Mike's show. <laughs> you got to stop with this and just. <laughs> Bob, you know, Bob, I was really wondering, what, what do you think your favorite game of all time is? 
well, obviously June's Journey, the new mobile puzzle God game. Damn it. <laughs> where you search for items uh, and then help solve a mystery. I really thought you were going to lead into like an actual answer. <laughs> That, like you were really excited to tell me Mario or something. I thought, like, I thought he was going to say Pong or something. Yeah, I was really excited to hear what he had to nope. say. But June's journey for right. me. I'm just going to go back to this is Mike's episode. And uh, uh, if I'm going to be honest, Wordle that's my uh, that's my jam. I don't know enough five letter words. <laughs> I'm real dumb. If it was four letter, you'd be fine. I got four letter words. Uh, I wore the wrong color shirt today, Bob. I can't figure out five letter words. <laughs> right. All right, now Mike, I'll throw it back to you for the last couple questions. The last couple questions you'll ever ask on a follow up. Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Bob. <laughs> this one's from Amber. I've got a random question about Bob's time as a fire chief. Did you ever encounter someone on the team or a volunteer that would start fires for the thrill of putting them out? I have never personally experienced that, but it's a thing. It is definitely a thing. There's especially there's a lot of uh there's a lot of stories about like wildfires out west uh that were started they turns out they were started by fire. I actually started writing a screenplay about this that actually you were helping me with that. I lost it. I don't know what happened you to lost, it. I, I you lost my screenplay. I, I look for it all the time. I haven't I haven't seen it in years. God damn it. That was it was good. That was it was good. That was going to be our new venture was was writing screen a screenplay. Writing. Yes. I love it. Yeah. But yeah, back in the days when I was still in the fire service, I did actually start writing a screenplay about specifically that and and then I turned it over to Mike to help me work on it. And then Mike lost it. So I guess you're never going to see that movie. Yeah. All right. Uh, last question here from Richard. Any thoughts on Damien's latest filing? Yeah, a lot of them, actually. Uh, so it's a good time for to me to kind of give you guys a little breakdown of what's coming up. So for those of you that don't know, um, you know, Damien's team had filed the motion to test the evidence. And then Cressman filed a response uh, saying that the judge should not allow the evidence to be testing, listed a bunch of reasons for that, which I didn't necessarily agree with. Matter of fact, I thought they were pretty pathetic. Uh, And I told you last week that Damien's lawyers, Steve Braga, told me that they're about to file a very strong response. They have done that, and it is out. And it is, is in fact, very strong. I'll I'll, I'll give you a little preview of it. The first thing that uh, Cressman said in his response was, that Damien's team made a fatal error by fi- by filing in Crittenden County instead of Craighead County, um, which was the wrong county where the conviction was, and therefore the whole thing should be thrown out. Um, and then Damien's attorneys in their response very, very clearly and easily point out what an idiot Cressman is, that the original conviction did in fact take, ca- take place in Craighead County, but the current conviction where the Alfred plea was put in and the new conviction was put onto the record happened in Crittenden County. So it was not filed in the wrong place. Um, seems like a prosecuting attorney should have been able to figure that out. Um, but that's just one of the many things they really go into detail, breaking it down. And so I'm going to, I think what I'm going to be doing is covering this, uh, the latest following and next week's bonus. So I, my plan was, I know I keep doing this to you guys, but I promise this is it next week. March 5th or 6th, whatever day that is, was supposed to be the beginning of season 12. Um, we are pushing back one more week, but you guys got to cut me a little slack. My producer quit. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, man. In the middle of it. There's just a lot, a lot of stuff happening there. Uh, also, um, so Janet will be with us next week for the follow-up, but then the following week, she had uh, a commitment that she from this point forward, for the most part, unless something comes up, she's she's slotted for us to do the follow up every week. But she already had a prior commitment for the um, for the week, which would have been the very first follow up 
for the new season. And I just decided between being behind and everything going on with Mike leaving and, and, and then Janet can't be there that, okay, we're not going to do our first follow-up for the new season without a co a host for the follow-up with just me and Zach. So we're going to go ahead and, and push back one more week. So what I'm going to do is, so, so this coming Sunday, make sure you listen to this one, man. It's a, it's a really super interesting interview. Uh, a guy named Andrew Collins, who was the the guy that he would call himself a crooked cop who broke the rules, falsely imprisoned someone, came clean later, got the guy in, guy out of prison. I'm switching places with him, as a matter of fact. Um, really good interview with him that's going to be out this Sunday. Uh, and then next week, we'll have the follow-up with Janet on that episode. And then we'll do one more bonus where I'm going to break down some of this West Memphis 3 stuff. And then, I promise, we're going to launch right into... Uh, the new case season 12, which will be the, I don't have my calendar in front of me somewhere around the 13th ish, 14th ish of 13th, I think, uh, March 13th, whatever that first, uh, second Sunday in March is, uh, that's when we're going to be launching into season 12. So it's all coming. Uh, and again, I want to remind you guys one more time. If you're interested in coming to the live show with myself and captain and Kelly Barron's brink in grand rapids michigan on april 16th go to captainfathands.com slash events buy your tickets before they sell out hopefully we'll see a lot of you there and uh now that we're done with all this uh business business mike i just want to say that it's been an absolute pleasure working with you trying to get through this without crying but but you're going to be sorely so sorely missed uh and and i appreciate everything you've done for us thanks bob i love you man love you mike Truth and Justice is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Produced and edited by Mike Bussing, and all music for the show was created and composed by PutThemInASong.com. Our follow-up logo was created by Zach Weaver, and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, Truth and Justice Pod, where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Charlena White, Kaywood Yamnick, Ginger Fiola, Edith Swanneck, Lindsay Pease, Erica Cantor, and Jen Reese Incandela. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd really like to support us, you can do so in a number of ways. To financially support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. On the Patreon page, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we also have reward levels on Patreon that include access to behind-the-scenes videos of the tapings of our Friday follow-up episodes, ad-free versions of all of our episodes, Truth and Justice Army t-shirts and hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. You can also help us out by going to iTunes and leaving us a 5-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the companies that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, Truth and Justice Pod. Just click the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is engage in the investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page. 
For all of you tweeters, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found at BobRuffTruth. Mike can be found at MurbGaming, M-U-R-R-B-G-A-M-I-N-G. And Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, and tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Mike Bussing. And this has been Truth and Justice. The Ford Ranger, a vehicle for all terrains and every passion. It's a workmate, a playmate, and to its drivers, a soulmate. So how do you improve the Ford Ranger? You go all in. The all-new Ford Ranger, the UK's best-selling pickup. Now available with rear bumper steps, tailgate workbench, and enlarged load box that can fit a Euro pallet. Go break it in. Search all-new Ford Ranger. Ford Pro, driving productivity. According to SMMT data, features may be optional extras with additional cost.